Well, we're wrapping up a series called Closing the Gap, how to take our dreams and make them become a reality. And our key verses for this series, you can find it in James chapter 1. And verse number 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And throughout this series, we've talked about how we all have problems and and we're having to learn to have the right perspective on our problems. And the Bible says the right perspective on every problem is to count your problems all joy because problems are a place of testing. Every problem is a test. And when you pass the test, it leads to promotion. When you pass the test, it closes the gap and helps you see your dream become a reality. And today, I want us to talk about and look at the most important test of all, and that's the lordship test. The lordship test. You know, this past week in Oklahoma, uh, the snow was crazy. I know that uh, the majority of the United States had snow uh, this past week on the ground. It was just kind of a horrific time, not only the snow, but the crazy temperatures. And I know some of you are joining us in, from another country, don't know what your weather's like, but it was really bad. And especially in Oklahoma, Texas, it was just a, a horrific snowstorm. And then, and then temperatures were just freezing cold. And I know people had pipes burst and flooding in homes and people without power. It was, it was, it was bad and lots of wrecks. And, and matter of fact, my wife was taking one of my, my one of my kids to basketball practice this past week in this in this snow and our 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 driveway and our our neighborhood looked like yours. I mean, it was a disaster zone of snow and the snow was freezing over in ice and you drive on it. It was just it was horrible. And Tiffany was driving on, out of our neighborhood and then realized that my my son forgot his basketball bag. And so she had to figure out, I got to get back to the house to get this back. So she decided, I'm just going to put the car in reverse, and I'm going to go drive back to the house. And how many know who's better, the men, better drivers or women? Who, who do you think? Let's go, huh? Throw it online in the chat line. Who's the better driver, men or women? Come on, let me know, let me know, let me know. And so my wife decides to drive backwards in the snow. And so she's riding. She found a groove, you know, because there was just a, a little track there of snow. And so she's just rolling back with her the tires and just going backwards back to the house. And the next thing you know, she thought she was in control, but the snow was in control because she hit the neighbor's mailbox, y'all. This is what the car looks like right now, y'all, right there. That's cold. This is what happens when you think you're in control and you're not. And the lordship test is all about who is in control. And church, you can pass the wilderness test, the warfare test, the small things test, the time test. But if you don't pass this last test, you will not see your dreams become a reality Jesus has to be Lord of your life to see your dreams come to pass. Jesus has to be Lord of your decisions, Lord of your plans if you want to close the gap and your dreams become a reality. And I want us to look and unpack one verse of Scripture today that we can get our hearts and our minds wrapped around lordship. Who is really in control? And the one verse of Scripture I want to focus on today 
is in Luke chapter 9 and in verse number 23. It says, then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And those first six words that Jesus said are are very critical. You can't skip over those first six words. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. That's the question of the day, really, that we have to address in our hearts before we move any further, is do you really want Jesus to be the Lord? Do, do, Do you really desire him to be Lord over every area of your life. Do you even have a, a, a desire, a, an inclination, a, a motivation, a drive inside of you that says, I really want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I have discovered that a lot of folk, folks want Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. People say, Lord, save me from hell, but don't tell me how to live on earth. And when we have a savior mentality and not also having a lordship mentality, we will miss out on God's purpose and plan for our life because he does not just want to be our savior. He wants to be our Lord. He wants to control the vehicle. He wants to be in charge of our life. And how do we pass the lordship test? It's critical. How do we pass the lordship test? I I want us to get our minds wrapped around this. And Jesus tells us how to pass the lordship test, the most important test of all. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must. Come on, everybody shout must. Come on, right in the chat line, write the word must, 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 must. And then he goes on to unpack what it looks like for him to be lord. Must, number one is this, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Three or four years ago, my my family went on spring spring break vacation to California. I went out and I preached at a church there on on the weekend and then hung out with a family uh, throughout the week in California. And and when we arrived in California on our spring break trip, we were staying in an Airbnb rental home. And so we got to the rental home. And then the first thing that we did after we got there and got the suitcases out, we had to go grocery shopping because in an Airbnb home, they don't stock it up for you. You got to get some groceries. So we went to the grocery store and we worked those aisles and got got food and, you know, just bread and, and milk and cereal and all the items for the week that we were going to eat. And and then with a grocery full of basket, I mean, a basket full of groceries to the top, we pulled up to the checkout line as we're in the checkout line. And it's a pretty good line. We're just waiting our turn and people are getting in line behind us. And we finally get at the front of the line and we start putting our groceries on the counter. And, and, and the cashier is, is, is ringing them all up and putting them in bags. And we're taking the bags and putting them in our cart. And, and, then, and then the cashier lets us know it's $155.72. Awesome. Awesome. It's called a family of six, y'all. Come on, family of six. And put the credit card in and to pay and... She says, your, your credit card's denied. Oh, no, it's not. Try it again. You know, your credit card's denied. No, no, our credit card cannot be denied. We pay our credit card off every single month in full. We haven't had a balance on this credit card for years. Let me tell you, no, try it again. No, 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 your credit card is denied. 
And, you know, here I am, got my whole family, my wife, my kids. Kids like, Daddy, you're paying the bills? Now, we're paying the bills. We're paying the bills. We're paying the bills. We're paying the bills. You know, you're embarrassed. People in behind you, you're trying to, trying to figure it out. And let, me call, let, me call, let me call real quick. And, and, you know, you try to call the, 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 the credit card company and you get some automated system and push one and push nine and push zero and push three and push two. And say your name and say your mother's name. Give me your social security number. Give it to me backwards. And, embarrassed, people waiting in line, the ladies said, step out the line, I'm telling you, we have the credit, I promise you. Denied. Got on the phone with the credit card company and they said, well, you're in California, we didn't know, we thought it was fraud, I mean, charges in California is not normal, listen, we're going to be in California the whole week, do not deny us anymore. I remember being in college and got denied. I asked a girl out on a date in college, and, and one of the times that that young lady told me, no. I'm like, you just, you, you, you denied me. My feelings are hurt. I'm a little embarrassed. Don't you tell nobody. I won't tell nobody. You know what I mean? I'm a little embarrassed. And what, what I've learned about being denied is most of the time when we're, when we're denied, it's by accident. It's not on purpose. Most of the time when we're denied, we don't choose to be denied. It, it just happens to us. But Jesus says in a culture where we are not normally denied, we don't like being denied because we like self. Jesus says, what I want you to do is deny yourself. Jesus, that's not easy. I don't like it. It's embarrassing. Don't mess with me. I like self. We're all about self, self-gratification, self Help, self-promotion, self-improvement, self-esteem, self-awareness, self-service, self-care. And then Jesus says, if you want to follow me, I'm not so interested in all that self. What I want you to do is to deny yourself. The only way to see God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, God's dream for your life, to become a reality is you have to deny yourself. A couple of Christmases ago, I, I found a golf game. I got it on, on, my, on my phone, an app, and I was just trying to kill time over Christmas. I, I just wanted to disconnect. I didn't want to think about, about work or, or anything. I just wanted to do something mindless. And so I found this golfing game, and I fell in love with it. I mean, I, I just started golfing every day during free time, just sitting around the living room during Christmas break. And, and man, I was golfing like crazy. And you started at the amateur level, and I was working my way up from amateur to pro. And you just kept working all the way up. I got it to like level five. I'm a master level. As a matter of fact, this past Christmas, this, in just a few months ago, over Christmas break, I was playing my golf game again, just enjoying it. I mean, I can go. I'm, I'm just amazing. Now, don't ever get me out on the real golf course, but on that game, master level, unbelievable. I've worked hard for this. And then in January, I, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, hey, Herbert, I want you to take your kids through two books. And I want you just to set the golf game aside for just a season. I'm like, huh? master level. And... Okay, okay, and so I set the golf game aside the first week, and, and then I noticed in January when I didn't play for a week, and every Monday I just checked my rankings to see it always releases your new ranking, and, and I checked, and it told me, you lost ranking. I, I lost because I didn't, 
I didn't play all week. How do I, I didn't play. How am I losing when I didn't play? And then the second week, I checked my ranking on Monday, and, and I, it says, you, you lost your ranking because you did not play. And I'm thinking, how am I losing my ranking? I'm trying to do, deny myself and do the Lord's work. And four weeks go by, I check on every Monday. I almost got in the flesh and decided to play because I'm losing my ranking. I want my master status to stay. And, 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 and for week four, it tells me, you lost your ranking again because you did not play one match. And I was frustrated that I'm losing my ranking. And can I tell you, that's what happens in life. When you start denying yourself, it can feel like you're losing. But Jesus says when you deny yourself, you're not actually losing. You're, you're really winning. Can I tell you, I'm really winning. I may be losing my ranking in a little golf game on my phone, but can I tell you, I'm discipling my children. I'm taking my boys through a book, Every Young Man's Battle. I'm not losing. I'm winning. And Jesus says this in the very next verse. We're unpacking Luke 9, verse 23. But here's what Jesus goes on to say. In verse 24, for whoever wants to save their life, wants to keep their life, wants to hold on to their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it, will, will actually win. And we get so focused in life on trying to save our life and trying to keep our life, on trying to do what we want to do, on trying to do things our way and, and we get so focused on trying to keep our life that we don't really realize we're actually losing our life and Jesus said but if you will lose your life for my sake if you will deny yourself and, and just wrap yourself in me and what I desire for your life he says you don't actually lose you win he's been speaking to some of you about losing yourself for his sake he's been speaking to some of you about the dream team and, and serving on the dream team and serving in the community and making a difference. But, but we can find all the reasons to try to hold on to our life. Lord, I, I'm busy and my time is my time. And we think we're actually winning. And Jesus says, no, when you hold on, you lose. You know, this small group pastor, I know, I know I need to get involved. I, I know I need community. I, I know it would help me. I'm an introvert. I really don't want to. And my schedule's busy and people are kind of been on my nerves. I just, I don't know. And, and yet we'll try to hold on. We'll try to, we'll hold on. Thinking we're winning. And it's when we lose our life for Jesus, we actually, we actually really win. What area of your life? I'm not even talking about sin. My golf game's not a sin. But I know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to my heart. What area of your life are you trying to hold on to thinking that you'll win? And you might start letting go and it might feel like you're losing. But can I tell you, when you lose for Jesus, you will ultimately win. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, you must, you must what? You must deny yourself. Number two is this. Number two is this. The lordship test. The lordship test. The first answer, the question is, will I deny myself to follow Jesus? Number two is this. Will you pick up your cross? Pick up your cross. Notice this back in Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Would you say that word with me? Daily? Come on, I need 10 of you. My fastest typers online write the word daily. Daily. That's a key word, right? Daily. Daily. When the Bible says take up your cross, it is talking about how we must die to ourself. Our selfish 
sinful ways must be put to death. You know, in our culture, we wear crosses as jewelry. But in biblical days, when you saw a cross, it did not symbolize jewelry. It was actually an instrument of death, an instrument of execution. In biblical days, people were crucified on crosses. Our Lord and Savior died a horrific death on a cross. And a true disciple of Jesus daily, daily dies to their selfish, sinful ways. We all have this flesh. We all can want to do our own thing. We're all tempted. And what a disciple does is they daily crucify their flesh to go after Jesus. Paul talks so much about this in the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Why? And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, and that's what we're all about is, God, I don't want to live. I don't want to be in control. I don't want to drive the car any longer. I want you in control, that you would live through me the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5 and verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. They picked up their cross, and they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, for we know that, the, that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because we picked up our cross and we're crucifying our flesh daily. Jesus talks about this. He uses some very powerful imagery as he talks about this whole crucifying the flesh in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 8, he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into eternal fire. And this is strong language from Jesus. And he doesn't literally mean to cut off your hand or to cut off your foot. He's saying anything in your life that is causing you to sin, cut it out of your life. Pick up your cross daily and crucify your flesh. And where I see a lot of Christians get tripped up, and they don't close the gap and see their dreams become a reality is because of this. The consequences of sin are oftentimes delayed. And because the consequences of sin are oftentimes delayed, people get comfortable in sin. And then sin can deceive us and we start thinking that we can reach God's plan, that we can accomplish God's purpose, that, that we can accomplish God's dream for our life and stay in our sin. Because the consequences are, are, are oftentimes delayed and so we feel, we, feel, we feel okay. It's like, it's okay, nothing's happening in my life. You know, no, Nobody even knows, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody even sees it, nobody will ever find out. I can keep doing this. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But Hebrews says this in chapter 11 and verse 25, talking about Moses in the Old Testament. It's referring to the biblical character Moses. He says he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Let me first say this. There is pleasure in sin. 
That's why we do it. There's pleasure in it. But the scripture says that that the pleasure of sin is, is fleeting. In other words, if you stay in sin long enough, even though oftentimes the consequences are not immediate, but eventually the pleasures of sin turn into pain. The the payment for sin can be delayed, but it can't be avoided. You see, sin is so sweet in the beginning, and then it's bitter in the end. I like to say, sin is like a credit card. Enjoy now. Pay later. And we can just start deceiving ourselves, thinking, you know what, I'm okay. Some of you are thinking that I'm in sin. I know I'm not doing the right thing, but I'm okay. But understand that if you don't turn to God and turn from sin and cut it off and crucify the flesh, eventually it will catch up to you. Eventually it will stifle your dreams. Eventually it will, it will not only destroy your dreams, but it can destroy your life. The Lordship test is this. Will I lay down the cross and pick up sin Or will I lay down sin and pick up the cross? People's church, lay down bitterness and pick up your cross and forgive the people who have hurt you. Lay down gossiping and backbiting and slander and pick up your cross and begin to speak life and love over people and your relationships. Lay down doubt and pick up your cross and begin to live a life of faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Lay down anger and pick up your cross and begin to find joy and peace in God's presence and in God's ways. Lay down greed and Pick up your cross and tithe and give the dream builders and be known with, for a life of generosity. Lay down pride and pick up your cross and begin to walk in humility. Lay down sexual sin and pick up your cross and begin to live a life of purity. We've got to lay down sin and pick up our cross. Whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves, pick up their cross. Number three, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Notice that back in verse Luke 9 and verse 23, he says, take up their cross daily and follow me. So to pass the lordship test, we must deny ourselves. We must pick up our cross and die to our sin, and we must follow Jesus and following Jesus in our world can be challenging because there are so many forces coming at us all the time that are constantly trying to pull us away from Jesus. There's so many things that are trying to get our attention and get our affections and pull us away from Jesus instead of pushing us towards Jesus in church. I want to break it down for you in three ways about following Jesus. And the first is this, follow Jesus, not yourself. Follow Jesus, not yourself. It's so important for us to understand that we can't follow our way and God's way at the same time. And the Bible just drills down on this concept. And Jesus really drills down on it in Luke chapter 9 about what it looks like to follow him and, and the things that can keep us from following Jesus. And he goes on to say in Luke chapter 9, uh, several verses later, picking up in verse number 57, he says, as they were t- walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go, wherever. I'm with you, Lord. 
But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and, the, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He says, are you sure you want to follow me? Because I'm not going to the Ritz-Carlton. I'm not going to the Marriott. I, I am not going to an Airbnb. He says, are you sure that you want to follow me? He goes on to say in verse 59, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first, first, but, but, but Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. You, your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I, I, I don't know about those other jokers, but I will follow you. I'm all in. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. These people wanted to follow Jesus, but were deviating from what Jesus said. That, that they were trying to follow Jesus on their own terms. Come on, haven't we all been there before? Where we wanted to follow Jesus on our own terms and justify it. Like, like Jesus, you know I want to follow. You know my heart, Lord. You know my heart. But, Jesus, you, you, you know I love you. But, Jesus, you, you know I will follow you wherever. But, but, I, I will obey you, Lord. But, but I, I will do what you want me to do. I'll do what you said to do. But, Jesus, I will follow you. But it's going to look a little different than what you said. Because I, I, I really want to follow me more than I want to follow you. And church, delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. I'm going to say something super deep. Don't miss this. Church, followers follow, and those who don't follow aren't followers. I told you it's deep. It's profound. Followers follow, and those who don't follow aren't followers. Either you follow Jesus or you don't. Let me illustrate it. I got a friend of mine coming out to help me, Mr. Caleb, and, and following Jesus. Now, Caleb, your job is to follow me, because followers follow. Let's go. Followers follow. That, that's what followers do. They, 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 they follow. And that, that, that's, what, that's what it looks like to follow. Where, where I go, you go. And, and so if you're going to follow, you, you got to, this is what some of y'all do. You're like, I'm close to Jesus, but you're not following him. Jesus like, follow me. And you're like, well, I'll, I'm in the vicinity, but that, you're, not, you're no longer following. And, and, and we start kind of making our own rules and call it following Jesus. But if you're not following Jesus and his word and what he says, you're not following because followers follow. And if you don't follow, then you're not a follower. Priest, pastor, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying. Church, you have to leave your own way of doing things and follow Jesus with all of your heart. Let me say this to you, church. Not only follow Jesus, not yourself, but follow Jesus, not excuses. 
Follow Jesus, not excuses. When it comes to following Jesus, we can't have excuses and obedience at the same time. And in Luke chapter 9, it's interesting. One says, I need to go home first to and bury my father. Another says, I need to go home and say goodbye to my family. And, and when you listen to this, it, it, I mean, these are good excuses. These aren't bad excuses, but, but, but they were excuses getting in the way of these men following Jesus. And what I want us to grasp is that good excuses aren't the same as actions. And sometimes we can believe if our excuse is good enough, then, then, then it will disqualify me from following Jesus. I mean, Jesus will understand I really have a great excuse on why I'm not going to follow Jesus right now. But good excuses are not the same as actions. Good excuses are like good intentions. They don't work. Good intentions are not the same as actions. How many of you realize that good intentions won't pay your bills? Just try it. Just call up everybody. I got an, I got an intentions to pay you. I don't care about your intentions. Good, good intentions won't pay your bills. Good intentions won't get my wife's car fixed. Trust me, I tried it this week. I had good intentions. Lord, let it be fixed. No, I'm going to have to have some action and take it to the, to the place and the, the, the car repair shop to get it fixed. Good intentions won't say you're sorry. Just having good intentions won't say you're sorry. No, it's, it, you actually got to go and tell the person you're sorry. Good intentions are not the same as actions. Don't confuse it, church, because we get so caught up in our intentions and our, oh, how my, my God, you know my heart and God, you know my motives. And, and we can start making excuses and thinking that our excuses have disqualified us from following Jesus and you have to leave your excuses to live your dreams leave excuses and follow Jesus number three is this there's a third one there's a third one there's a third one come on right now just look at somebody look at somebody maybe it's your spouse maybe it's your friend maybe it's somebody you don't even know just look at them right now put in the chat line as well say this is not for me but I know it's for you I love to say they go ahead and tell them I know this is for you I know this is for you this is for you don't you miss this third one. Here's the third one. Follow Jesus, not people. Follow Jesus, not people. In Luke chapter 9, the man said, let me go home and bury my, bury my father. And what's implied here, Jesus' response was, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. And what's implied here is that the man's father has not even died. He was saying, let me go back and live out the rest of my days with my father. And after I live out the rest of my days with my father and he dies, then let me bury my father, get my inheritance, get my stuff, and then I will, I will follow you. But first, let me just go back. I'm more interested right now in this season of my life with following my father than following you. And church, is a slippery slope when it comes to people and God, that you can end up following people instead of following God. It's easy to fall into the trap of following the crowd. I think about when I'm driving in my car and I have a confession to make. Whenever I drive in my car on the highway, I usually set my cruise control just a little bit more than the speed limit. Come on, who else does that? Lift your hands up and just confess with me. Come on in your house. Come on, some of you are lying. The devil's got you right now. Be free. 
I know. Yeah, I shouldn't do it, church. I know it. I know it. But I do do it. And, and, then, and then, church, I really need your prayers because I just, it just, it gets, it gets me. It just jumps all on me. I see about five or six cars that pass me within a couple of minutes and they're going fast, you know, they're going 80 and I just see about five of them. That's a bunch of them going fast. I don't know why it jumps on me, but then I just kind of get out that left lane <laughs> and I kind of go with the flow because I figure if it's five of y'all, y'all going to get pulled up before I get pulled up. I'm good. My sentence good. I'm just going to go with the flow. And that's what we do in life. We start evaluating what everybody else is doing and we just start going with the Going with the flow. Everybody else's gossiping. I'm just going to go with the, everybody else's lying. I'm just going to go with the flow. Everybody else is hating and causing division and cancel culture. I'm just going to go with the flow. Everybody else is in sexual immorality. I'm just going to go with the flow. And if we're not careful, we start evaluating and watching people more than we're watching what God has to say. And we start feeling good because everybody else is going 80. So I can go 80. In church, you got to follow Jesus, not people. How do we do that, Pastor? Here's how. Follow God's word instead of people's opinions. Follow God's word instead of people's opinion. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 105, your word, I could just stop and preach just those two words. Not my word, not your word. Not any other person's word. God, your word alone is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word, if you will follow it and live by it and read it, it will light up your path. It will show you the next step to take for your dreams to become a reality. But when you are not following God's word and you're following people's words and people's opinions and culture's opinions, what happens is that your path gets darker and darker. God's word makes it brighter and brighter. Following people's will make it darker and darker. And what you got to do is follow God's word so that you can see the next step. And let me, church, some of you are like, God, I don't even know what to do. God, what do I do? Do I, do I go there and I go there? And, and, and when you're not following God's word, it's, it's dark. You're trying to follow the crowd and people's opinions and your own feelings. And the real question is, what does God's word say? And if you will follow God's word, he'll always show you the next step. You're trying to write, Lord, do I go to college? Do I go to that college? Do, do I marry this person? Do I take that job? Do I sell the house and buy another house? Do I sell the car? Do I buy the car? And you're just trying to make all these decisions. And God says, I will show you the next step if you will follow my word. But when you don't follow my word, it, your path gets dark. It just gets darker. And then you try to follow your dreams and trying to follow God's plan in the dark. And you're just bumping your head because you can't see clearly. You you were never meant to guide your own self. You need the word of God. You've got to live by the word. you got to keep the light on. And some of you follow God's word for two minutes and then you stop. You follow God's word for two weeks, then you stop. You follow God's word for two months, then you stop. And then you wonder, why is it dark? Why can't I see? Because you got to keep following God's word. It's the lamp for your feet. If you're going to see your dreams become a reality, if you're going to live out God's purpose, you got to keep the light on. Come on, somebody shout, keep the light on. 
Come on online, type it. Keep the light on. Keep the light on. And God will order your steps and light up your path. Number two is this. Number two is this. Number two is this. How do you follow Jesus, not people? How do you follow Jesus, not people? Follow God's voice instead of people's voices. Let, let me teach this to you just really quickly. Jesus said in John 10 verse 27, my sheep, that's every Christian, that's every Christ follower, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, listen. They got to actually listen to my voice. I love sports. I've already talked to you about golf. Let me talk to you about football. If you watch football nowadays, you'll notice that the quarterbacks, I, I, need, I see this all the time in the NFL, that they'll be pushing their helmet in after the play's over. Because now they have technology in the helmet and the coach will call in the play in the helmet to the player, the quarterback. And so the stadiums typically are filled with fans and they're screaming and, and there's noise on the on the field and so the quarterback he pushes in the helmet and and he's just listening for the coach's voice so that he can hear the next play to run to go score a touchdown and let me tell you in our world there's so much noise and the crowd is screaming and everybody on the field around you is screaming and oftentimes God speaks in a whisper and what you have to do is you got to press in your helmet to listen to his voice you press in the helmet by praying you press in the helmet by reading your Bible. You're pressing the helmet by getting to church on time and worshiping. You're pressing the helmet by not missing church so you can hear the word of God. You're pressed in the helmet by getting in a small group with Christians to encourage your faith. You gotta press. Press in the helmet so you can hear the voice of the Lord. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. He wants your dreams to come to pass. But he wants his plans and purposes to come to pass. But you got to press in the helmet so that you can hear the voice of God. He's a speaking God. Even right now, we do this almost every service. Give you time to worship. And some of you take it for granted. Some of you show up to church late and miss worship. And then you leave early. And I'm telling you, you're missing pressing in the helmet. You gotta worship. You gotta hear his voice. Come on, somebody right now. Let's worship. Press. Hear his voice. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Come on, drown out the crowd. Somebody worship and get a hold of God. Listen for his voice. 